Coming up on episode 104 of Appetite for Distortion, two interviews and one special co-host. First, special co-host and I, Jeff, from GNR Central, are going to interview Freak Bass, who has a brand new band, Headtronics, with our second guest, one Richard Fortas of Guns N' Roses. And I'll get to ask him some of your questions. Welcome to the podcast. Do you know where you are? Do you know where you are? This is Appetite for Distortion. Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion episode. Jesus, you think after 104 episodes, I can get the intro down, Pat, but that is not the case. Episode 104, it is uh, Brando. Thanks for for joining us, whether you found us on the iHeartRadio app, on Spreaker, on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, uh, iTunes, uh, Google Play, wherever. Uh, It's appreciated. Uh, Also appreciate my... My co-host for the first half of this episode, this is going to be uh, an insane show. Uh, I guess it's going to be like, you know, Johnny Carson, where they have their first guest or second guest. Or if you don't remember Johnny Carson, Jimmy Fallon, whatever, you know, talk show host you want to think of. So first up, we're going to have Freak Bass. I don't know much about Freak Bass, but our co-host does, and we're going to learn about him. And the reason being, he's in a band, Headtronics, with uh, Richard Fortas, who was going to be our second guest. 104 episodes it took to get an actual member of Guns N' Roses on my show. I know it took GNR Central a little bit shorter, I think. Isn't that right, Jeff? What's going on, buddy? Yeah, we got we got dizzy pretty quick. Um, not once, but twice. But I uh, – oh, hi, guys, and thanks for having me on, Brando. I appreciate no problem. it. Um, I, I had, um, I had uh, dizzy on the tour bus in Cincinnati and on a brand-new phone, and when I got home to transfer to my laptop, deleted the damn thing right into the recycle bin. That's awful. So – yeah, I'm kind of notorious for for doing that. So dizzy, if you're listening, I apologize again. But yeah, yeah uh, we got dizzy, and uh, yeah, uh, he is a great interview. Uh, I, I I'm sorry he slept through yours. <laughs> I, I know. I'm glad that his his wife woke up uh, woke him up in the hotel room. Uh, so I mean, he was technically on my show, but it was not a full interview. He it was nice enough to be woken up, but. Uh, I will say Alex Grassi sees no reason why uh, he shouldn't come on again, Dizzy and Alex, because Hookers and oh, Blow, yeah. they're coming out with a new album, or coming out with an album, which I thought was never going to happen. Album. Yeah, right? Well, I mean, that, what else did they do? Is that, is that true? Is that what the rumors are going for, is a cover album? Yeah, that's what it seems like. Okay. I, I said that to Alex, and he's like, you know, would you mind trying to get in uh, a D- Dizzy, parentheses, awake this time, please, uh, to come on? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, sure, well, uh, seem, uh, why not? But I know they're going on a cruise soon, so uh, we'll see when that episode uh, comes to fruition. Yeah, they have the um, Trailer Park Boys cruise coming up. That's which it. Looks like a grand old time, but also expensive at the same time. It's a little, yeah, that's it. Little, it looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, and then uh, the Trailer Park Boys, it's, it's, it just made me think of a good um, jumping off point. Because when I started dating uh, this Canadian girl and... The Trailer Park Boys are huge in Canada. I had never heard of them before. This was a few years ago at this point. 
And I know GNR is, is friends with them and Bubbles and all them. I don't still th- don't think I've seen an episode, but it, it's one of these days. But it's uh, it's interesting, just somewhere that's not. I mean, it's it's a drive for me, Canada. You know, six eight hours depending upon where you go. And then right. for someone like you, Cincinnati, uh, you're, you're telling me that uh, Freak Base is like the mayor of Cincinnati. Uh, Richard Fortas right. is called the mayor of St. Louis. So we have all these this different areas of just where these local, you know, talent come up. And it just depends on if they get uh, worldwide, depending upon. So I'm glad Freak Base uh, is, I mean, I'm glad I'm, I'm learning about him. Um, but what, you you were the one who mentioned when I said I'm going to get Freak Base on the, on the show as well. And you were, what were you, you were embarrassed that you didn't know about the band that they have together? Correct. I mean, you I was like, you shouldn't be embarrassed with our, well, yeah, you would think that somebody in with our background would know about bands like this, but there's a million bands out there. I can't keep track of all of them. Right. When I saw that, you know, the Hatronics um, post on your Twitter, I was like, what the WTF man? Like, <laughs> how am I so green that I don't know? I mean, I'm embarrassed to say that I didn't know that this band was happening. Well, and I, I didn't know Richard either. And Freak on the same stage with DJ Logic, who I also have history from when I worked in New York. It's it's like I know two thirds, uh, half of this band. I've, I've had conversations with half of these, this band already, and like I'm just flabbergasted that I had no clue that it exists, and I feel like I said embarrassed not knowing. So I went and did my research the second that you invited me on, and I mean this isn't Guns and Roses. Don't if you guys go thinking you're going to see a GNR show. You're definitely going to be disappointed. Yeah, we're going to learn what kind of show this is going to be from from Freak. I'm going to ask him how to refer to him anyway. Is it you know do I call him Freaky, Mister Bass? We'll we'll find out. Uh, and then Richard well, Fortas. I know, I know his God given name. I don't know if he wants me to say it. I'll, so, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll ask him. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's whatever he wants to be to be known by is, is fine by me. But I think it was the Cincinnati connection that you guys have. So that's just cool. Yeah. Somebody. Local being elevated, uh, and oh, it's like uh, Frank Farrar being a you know a local Brooklyn boy, local New York talent being elevated to the GNR level. So uh, this it, isn't the, be interesting. Uh, the first Cincinnati band crossover with guns, like not crossover. I mean, they shared a stage, but not in the same band. There's a local band if you heard of. They got a lot of national and global recognition. I guess I would. I'm trying to compare them to a band, but I really can't. Um, have you heard of the band Foxy Shazam? I have. Yeah. They I... opened Slash's 2012 tour. So um, that they... being said, that's when I met Slash at Bogart's here in Cincinnati. I have friends that are in Foxy Shazam, and they were on the road with them, and they were like, dude, we're going to be loading in around 2.30 or 3, so if you want to meet Slash, be there at that time, and I'll introduce you to them. Oh, nice. And yeah, so Foxy's Zam, although they've broken up, I mean, Eric Neely went on to go and uh, do that downtown with Macklemore. Oh. So if you guys don't know what band I'm talking about, if you know the song by Macklemore, Downtown, the high-pitched Freddie Mercury, I hate to say, looking character in the video is Eric Neely, the lead singer. You're right. You're, I totally forgot about that he did that with Macklemore. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Good call. So, I mean, Cincinnati's no, no, nothing small when it comes to music. I mean, we had King Records, we had Bootsy Collins, we have, oh gosh, so many bands. Um, I mean, I really can't even name off the top of my head. You, you oh gosh, what? I didn't know Bootsy was, was from Cincinnati because, and I will ask uh, Freak Bass, but he, uh, I think Bootsy named the band for them, right? Do you know that? Um, 
I know that in a sense that, I mean, Freak will be able to more clarify this, but I'm almost got the impression that Freak was always Bootsy's understudy. Hmm. Wow. So, like, mentor slash, I mean, he does done a lot of work with Bootsy. And speaking of, I want to see if, if Freak can answer this, is um, Bootsy was supposed to do an album with Buckethead. Oh, man. And I need to know what happened to that material. Because if I'm not mistaken, and I could be, I could be wrong, Bernie Worrell from Talking Heads was supposed to do tease on that. But now I might be, you know, over-associating that bucket of Beanie Brains band. But I do know that Bootsy and Bucket were supposed to do an album together. Now, where is it? What happened to it? Maybe, maybe Freak can answer that. Yeah, I hope so. And, and I like that. Yeah. Um, when Freak, uh, when we were talking uh, just through email, he's like, we could talk Buckethead, you know, because I've worked a lot with him. And, you know, that seems to be other than, uh, than you know, Axel Rose for both of us, uh, you, uh, Gene, are central here. I mean, obviously, you have the the Moby Dicks that you want to get on that may never happen, you know, Axel, Slash, and all that fun stuff. But for me, I just want would love to talk to Buckethead. And I forgot if I mentioned it last show, I actually reached out <laughs> to his therapist who did that podcast uh-huh. with him, and yeah. they said no. Uh, I, I understand. <laughs> they, they don't really know me. I mean, th- th- that's that's tough. I think it took me a long time. Now, every time I meet a rock star, my therapist is like, where was I? You should have called me. <laughs> she wanted to be on the interview like after the fact, the one I did with uh, Alan Niven about depression and stuff. She's like... You I, I caught that one, and, you know, hit home, too, for me. So I, I appreciate you two doing that one. Thanks. I mean, I know we we've talking off-air about some... About some shit, and you know, I, I appreciate. I read some of the uh, listener comments last episode. Very, it was just very cool to see where again what this podcast can go and what we can do with it. Um, yeah, just getting creative with different kind of guests to talk to and different kind of topics to to spin off. I mean, that's how this. I mean, this is part of the the growth. Actually, getting a GNR member, but uh, I'll, I'll mention the future guests after. Uh, I mean, I'll talk about it more after we speak to Freak Base calling up in just a few minutes. But, like, I got the guy who, uh, Asher, who, uh, Smash, uh, old MTV VJ, who did that very yeah, yeah. that very famous GNR interview when they destroyed everything. When Steven couldn't let go of the hubcap? Yeah. <laughs> it was one of the funniest interviews ever. And he's going to, it might be the next episode, we're going to break it down. He's like an old school radio DJ, and that was his... Oh, he was telling me off the air, too. The guy who owns iHeartRadio now, Bob Pittman, was the one who hired him at MTV. So it's oh, okay. very weird. Just very weird. There's all these names and things that, that, that pop up. But this is uh, going to be a fun episode. I shouldn't be too much, uh, you know, uh, appetite for emotion, depression talk, this one. I should just be talking about just good old rock and roll, Cincinnati, talk about St. Louis, and <laughs> just see, you know, where we can go from there. I know we got a lot of questions uh, sent in. Um, for, for both Freak and Richard, we'll see what we can right. get to. You know, I, I think <laughs> the GNR fans, I think someone said it. If Richard saw the, the, the my, G, uh, my GNR forum questions, he might be scared off. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we'll see what I can, uh, I can get away with. But uh, I wanted to know, how was your, your time with um, Metallica? Because you went with, uh, with Doug, right? Uh, wait, ho- speaking of wait, hold on, I think Doug. Freak Face is calling my cell phone. Hold on. Okay. Hey, it's Freak Face. How you doing? Doing well. Doing well. Hey, it's Brandon. Hey, Brandon. How are you, buddy? I'm doing good. Uh, do you mind if I give you the studio number? Because this is my cell. 
Oh, my bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go shoot. Yeah. All good. That's why I give this out as a backup. So Freak Bass is uh, calling up right now. <laughs> but I'll, I'll make it real quick. Yeah, uh, Doug was uh, coincidentally in town for Metallica, and he was driving in from, I want to say, uh, Indianapolis or somewhere in Indy, and he was like, I got a meeting in the bank tomorrow. I got to work in Cincy this week. And I was like, hey, coincidentally, Metallica's in town Wednesday. He called Peter Mitch. The rest is history. History. Was, uh, uh, was Freak Bass at that Cincinnati Metallica show? I, you know, you're going to have to ask him. I would be honest. I wouldn't say it's right up his alley, but at the same time, I guarantee you, he respects Cliff and Robert and Jason. So I, 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 I you'd have to ask him. Well, I didn't that, see him personally. That was my nonchalant uh, way of asking him as he's on the line. <laughs> <laughs> right. What, what, what show was this? Like what, 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 what I, I jumped in in the middle of the conversation. The Metallica show last week. Oh no, I wasn't. I was on, I was in, uh, I was in Colorado last week. We were recording uh, last week. Oh, nice. Ah, nice. With uh, Recording with uh, Hedtronics or one of your other many million projects? No, this is with my, my you know, I tour with my own group, Freak Bass and the Bump Assembly, and uh, we just got signed to this really cool label called Color Red, and they're based out of Denver, Colorado, so we were out there for the full week recording uh, most of the tracks for the album. Awesome. Uh, we're gonna t- awesome. I want to talk about that and Hedtronics, and we'll talk about, you know, may, what the, you may or may not have done in Colorado, certain things legal there. But I really uh, appreciate you. Do I, what do I call you? Do I call you Freak Bass, Mr. Freak, Mr. Bass, most FB? People, yeah, most people call me either well, Freak or Freak Bass. Freak is, a, is usually the, the, the common with what I hear the most anymore. My mom, mom even slips into that one every once in a while. <laughs> Does that affect your <laughs> self-esteem? Hey, what's up, Freak? Nothing? <laughs> I don't know. Well, it affects something. I'm not sure if it's the self-esteem, but it affects something for sure. There's some kind of psyche <laughs> thing going on there. I'm not quite sure what it is yet. I'll let you know in a few years. All right. So we got the freak. We got me, the geek. And what about Jeff, uh, who's also on the line for, with us? What a clever name could we give you for now? The guy on the phone. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Phone fr- guy. Phone guy. So, freak, uh, I wanted to bring on... A friend of ours, he's on another podcast, GNR Central, and when I mentioned, you know, Hedtronics and, and you coming on, he he got excited. He totally tweened out about it. Uh, All right. Well, that's good to hear. Because he's also from Cincinnati. Oh, wow. Cool. Awesome. Yep. Cincinnati born and raised, man. Proud to be in the 513. That's right, man. Yeah. Way to go, man. Cool. Are you are you in town now, or are you uh, are you heading for New York? I'm in town for a day, and then and then we head for New York tomorrow. Yeah, it's been a last crazy couple of weeks. I was like I told you earlier, I was in Colorado last week, and then and then, I, then we went straight to St. Louis for our Hedtronic show. We played our show there last Saturday. Um, was in town for a couple of days here doing some recording, and then leaving for New York tomorrow. So it's a little little nutty nutty couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean that's why it was nice to um, enough to, to, to hopefully have you guys in in studio. But I know you're you're all over the place, and you're going to be in Brooklyn, Brooklyn Bowl uh, this Saturday, the uh, the 16th. And I know you know your fans, GNR fans, travel from all across. So even though it's regional and local for me, it doesn't matter. And it's a really cool venue. Have you played there before? Yeah, I played Brooklyn Bowl many times. I love, nice. I love it. So it's, it's probably one of my favorite venues we play in the country. The staff is great. It's it's a very musician friendly place. Um, you know, great, great, great stage. Everything's great about it. And it's kind of neat because every one of us 
even that we are from different parts of the country and the band have all played there. You know, DJ Logic plays there a lot, who's also in Headtronic, Steve Mullis, who's our keyboard player a lot. Even Richard played there with Guns N' Roses. Yes. Actually, I think they did They did a little club uh, kick tour kickoff there too as well. So it's uh, it should feel nice and homey for all of us when we when we all play there together this Saturday. Yeah, uh, I, I wish I went to that GNR show. I, knowing me, I was probably working or something. But I, I did see a uh, all-female Guns N' Roses cover band there, though, once, the uh, the Rocket Queens. Oh, right on. That's great. It all ties in together. So where do we start from you? Because I know Jeff is a little bit more learned about you, and, and Jeff, please inter, interject where you, you feel needed. But are you born and raised in, in Cincinnati? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. I was born on the the east side of Cincinnati, and uh, Jeff will tell you, you know, east side, west side is a it's a, it's a it's a drawing line here in Cincinnati. It's like I always tell people I can find my way around Montana easier than I can the west side of Cincinnati because I'm an east side guy. Okay. And um, but uh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, it's all good though either way. But um, but yeah, I grew up here and uh, started. Um, you know, being in Cincinnati and Ohio specifically, there's always been this real, you know, heavy funk scene here, you know, um, going back to the days, you know, before all of our times left, you know, Bootsy and, and James Brown started his label here, King Records here in Cincinnati. So all the right. all the big James Brown hits that, you know, were all recorded here in Cincinnati. Um, in the 80s, there was bands like Midnight Star. Then there was up the road, there was Zap from Dayton and the Ohio Players. So there's yeah. always been a fun, strong funk tradition here, which, you know, I, I always tell people, I think, you know, I'm sure I'd be playing music no matter what part of the country or the world I was uh, I was born in. But since growing up in Ohio, I'm not sure if I would necessarily be playing funk. And I think growing up in Cincinnati was uh, definitely a big part of that. That's awesome. And I guess that should be more, I guess, well-known. I don't know why. I don't. When I think of Cincinnati, I just keep thinking of the Bengals or the Reds. I don't think of, of funk, but you're right. Everyone you named with from, from Bootsy, of course, James Brown, the Ohio players, it's so well-known, and you're continuing tr- the tradition. So were those specific artists that really sucked you in when you were younger to make you pick up a bass? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I grew up, you know, when I was like in high school and stuff and it was uh, like uh, junior high, I was like getting, you know, I was like real into hip hop, like, you know, Dr. Dre and and Snoop Dogg and groups like that. And obviously, but so which had even that they're from West Coast had a very heavy funk influence, too, as well. And then uh, when I was uh, right out of high school, I was lucky enough to get to meet Bootsy Collins and uh, Bootsy had me over to his studio. I did some recording with him. He ended up producing a few of my albums. That's which, you know, this is kind of funny how this this whole circular thing goes. But then he introduced me to Buckethead, right. and Buckethead played on a couple of my albums, and that's kind of how, like, in a roundabout way, I kind of ended up kind of knowing Richard too from okay. uh, Richard Fortis too, because Richard was playing with Buckethead at the time in Guns N' Roses. So um, yeah, it's like you know, as I'm sure you've interviewed enough people to know, like. You know, as as uh, this music business is actually, it's like almost like two degrees of separation from everybody, no matter what style of music it is. You know, yeah, that's what this uh, my podcast is about. I guess use the the six degrees of Kevin G and R Bacon's, but it's even shorter right, in, right. in your universe, right? And uh, before you came on, Jeff was telling me we were talking about Buckethead. Uh, Jeff, what did you want to ask? Because there was something specific you were wondering about. Yeah, uh, Chrissy, we both know City Beat Magazine, and uh, way back in the day, I want to say this was like right after Bucket put out the Colonel Claypool Bucket of Beauty Brains album, there was talk about Bootsy putting out an album with Bucket, and City Beat had, noticed, had noted it 
did any of those tracks ever get landed? Did they ever get put down or are they sitting in a vault somewhere or did it ever happen? What do you know about that? Well, they did. Well, you know, the, uh, what was it? The transmutation album that they did with Bill Laswell, which was Booty, Buckethead, um, uh, Bill Laswell, Bernie Worrell, who was also obviously in Colonel, uh, the, the Colonel project too, as well. So they did do that, that did, but that was more like uh like later nineties. Um, they did do another recording, um, with um and that did come out and i think it was on sony um right around the time you're talking about because there, there's a dj that's also on that album a guy named uh tobadius who actually is actually bootsy's engineer too as well that he was on that album too as well and i for i can't right off the top of my head think of the name and like the title of the album but it, it did hit it but it um you know it was kind of more almost kind of an underground kind of thing you know because I can't find it, so I'm going to have to get my Google on. But <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's out there. I've, I've seen the cover. It's, it's, it's a pretty cool cover. I've seen the cover before, but um, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, you know what? Actually, the one I was thinking was, was I, I said Transmutation. That's the name of the album. Actually, the group was Praxis. Have you heard Praxis? Okay. All right. I'll make, I'm Praxis. making notes. <laughs> yeah, Prax, Praxis, that's a little bit early before that, the time you're talking about, but that's Bernie Worrell, Buckethead, Bootsy, and Bill Laswell, who's like an amazing producer from New York. Was it Bootsy's uh, influence that created, I mean, it's one thing, like you said, to be to play funk and to be influenced by it, but to kind of wear it as a, I don't want to say costume, but as a personality, you know, that you are known as Freak Bass, that he is known as Buckethead. And is there any... What's the inspiration behind becoming a character instead of, you know, Richard Fortas, which sounds like he can, you know, sell me health insurance? Right, right, right. Well, I mean, I think, I mean, funk is definitely a part of that. I mean, it's, it's um, you know, it's, Bootsy's actually the one that kind of gave me that nickname. Um, he's really notorious for nicknames. He's the one to name Babyface his nickname. And so you get in the studio with him and he kind of comes up with these crazy names and it ends up sticking with you. And, um um, yeah, it's almost, you know, the, it's almost kind of like a Clark Kent Superman thing is either way I can explain it. You know, I mean, uh, definitely, you know, and it, it gets a little crazy sometimes cause, uh, you know, anybody outside of Cincinnati doesn't, you know, knows me as freak based and, or freak or whatever they end up calling me. So it's real easy for me to differentiate these days. Like if someone calls me my, my, my actual, uh, born birth name versus, uh, versus freak based, I kind of know where that's at, but it's like I said, it's kind of almost, and it works good, you know? Because um, that guy you see on stage, you know, is kind of a little bit different person than the person you're talking to here on the phone at, at you know, two in the afternoon right now, too. So it kind of kind of works out. Mm. So what was it like, you know, since you seem normal uh, off the air, you know, and you have your personality, you have your Superman, but right now you're Clark Kent. What was right. Bo- Buckethead? I mean, how do you even describe, you know, him? I mean, can you uh, at least, and I can... Uh, you know, say this through a question because uh, we got some fan questions. Uh, this is from Jan from uh, Germany. Just asking about working with different guitars of GNR, especially with Buckethead and mm-hmm. also Robin. So, what is it meet like meeting those larger than life characters in addition to just the talent that they have? Uh, well, it's great. I mean, Bucket, you know, he's one of a kind, as, as you know, and I'm sure all your listeners know, and and. Super, super talented. Um, just pretty much a, like, I mean, he's a kind of shy guy off stage, but he's really creative to work with. And, um, you know, he can kind of bounce around different kind of genres pretty effortlessly, you know, which is not, you know, he can play heavier stuff. He's super funky too as well. He can play heavy and be funky. And, yeah. and uh, 
So it kind of fits in, uh, he kind of fits in whatever mold, you know, he's called for. So it's great. I mean, it's, it's, it's always inspiring as a song, you know, as well as being a bass player, you know, um, you know, kind of think of myself as a songwriter too. And, and, um, and when you're writing songs and trying to come up with new ideas, having those kind of, you know, unique personalities, whether it be Buckethead or, you know, with, with Headtronics, getting back to that, Headtronics, you know, every one of our shows is 100% improvisation, um, literally. Yeah. I mean, you know, you hear people say like, oh, yeah, this show's different than the next one. No, it really, like, yeah, we have no set list. We have no songs at all. Like, it's not like we get up there, literally, DJ Logic starts to beat. Uh, I start a bass line, uh, you know, uh, either uh, Richard or our Steve Mullis, our keyboard player, I'll start a little groove, and we'll just kind of see where it takes us. So literally every single show is different. So you're basically composing on spot, on stage. Wow. And, it, and it's, it, yeah, it's pretty, it's, you know, it's like walking with that, you know, the tightrope without, without the net, but it, it makes it even that much more exciting when it, when it all comes together. And um, the band was around a few years before even Richard joined us. You know, we, it was originally just myself, DJ Logic, and Steve Mullitz. We met jamming together at a big music festival together. We were all in the same bill, and then we kind of sat in together, and that's where the, it just kind of, we kind of had a kind of nice chemistry. So we talked to each other after that and said we should do this again. And then when we talked about you know, everybody's so busy because everybody's got their own projects going on, but when we decided to go out and do some Hedtronic dates this time, um, uh, we suggested the idea of bringing Richard in too as well. I knew he, I knew he had a little downtime off the road from Guns N' Roses, so and brought it to him, and he was he was real into it, and he's he's fit in like perfectly. I mean, we've there's been your viewers. We just did our first show with Richard in St. Louis last week, and um, you know, you it, it, it just it, it, the, the, it worked. Sounds like we've been playing years together. It was great, and it was really really a really comfortable zone to be in playing with him too as well. It does. I mean, I don't know if you've seen it, Jeff, because I shared. Yeah. Uh, some of the pictures from St. Louis and, and videos of, of Richard and yeah, you guys well, ripping. Yeah, the minute they were available, I was like, click. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right on. man, the band sounds great. No, um, I'm, I, I think the improvisation is a great thing. I mean, I, I think it gives you guys an opportunity to just go out there and not, and not necessarily wing it or say F it, but just be like, listen, this is what I'm feeling today. This is what you're feeling today. Let's just throw it out on stage and let the audience know this is how, this is, this is how we're feeling today. And, yeah, and the audience, said, and the audience, I mean, the audience, I don't mean to interrupt you, but the audience almost becomes part of the band then too, as well, because the energy that we're feeding off of them kind of dictates which way the music, you know, if it's going to go heavier, if it's going to go lighter, if it's going to go, you know, more groovy, dancey. I mean, it's kind of like they, they kind of are part of, they're on the same ride and journey that we're on. So it almost becomes symbiotic with, with the people, you know, the audience and our, and the band itself. Is there a certain set of nerves? I mean, because you said it's exciting, but to go in there with, I mean, really no game plan. There's, there's like the zero when you're just like, and you just figure, because I'm not a musician, so I don't have that instinct. Sure. Uh, just to whatever just comes out. And then you all obviously have the talent and doing this uh, long enough to make it not sound like you're, you're practicing. Oh, hey, wait, let me tune my guitar and having all these, you don't have these lulls. It's just straight through. Right, right. Um, you know, may, maybe on our first Headtronic show a while back, but um, especially DJ DJ Logic and I have done a lot of stuff together. So 
with his beats and then we, we, we've done a couple of videos together. We did an instructional DVD. It was, a, it was a, how, like a DJ and a bass player. We did this thing for this, this big company out of, out of Orlando, Florida, or excuse me, Tampa, Florida called True Fire, where it's called Funktronic Groove Construction, showing how a bass player and a DJ can work together in, in, a, in a compositional aspect. So him and I <laughs> okay. have, have a real, yes, it's available out there. It's a pretty cool video because you can kind of see how he puts his whole, his mindset works putting his beats together in the way, uh, way I work in terms of like incorporating my sound to what he's doing but so him and i have like there's always a nice like pretty good floor to begin with with headtronic so it's not like so between him and i we you know there's a good starting point here you know and then with with richard and and with steve as well then they have a little cushion to kind of uh, uh, bridge off of for what they're doing, you know. And if they and if they're not feeling anything, they can always drop out and come back in. So there's always going to be a like a, a good floor for anybody to to walk on in Hedronics. Is there Amazing. is there like a because it's funny when you said uh, a lull in in Richard's you know schedule because he just came off a two and a half year tour, two year tour, and you're obviously sure. you, you just came from Colorado making a record. Everyone has their own independent stuff going on, so. Maybe this is the lazy person in me. Why not take time off? What, like, what makes you guys go out and continuously creating new music? And this is as new music as you can get because you don't know what's going to happen, which is completely sure. missing in today's world. Any, everything from the, sure. the Super Bowl to, to, to a pop music, everything is predictable. What's missing is what you guys are doing in Hedtronics. Oh, I, well, I appreciate that. That's kind of the idea. And, you know, as far as, like, do, I mean... You know, this is why we do music, you know, I mean, all the other stuff, you know, you know, all the little stuff that goes along with it is all cool and, and nice. But at the, uh, you know, you, you do this because you're an artist and you do it to create. And, and this is like the ultimate kind of creation platform for, for the way that we're doing it. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a really inspiring thing to do. And always playing with new people, even when you go back and then go, go back and do your own stuff with your own particular projects you can usually pull something from that, some kind of an inspiration or some kind of groove or some kind of music, musical thing that'll help kind of keep your own personal thing fresh too as well. So like I know when I go out and do a bunch of days with Hedtronics, I go back and do Freak Bass on the Bump Assembly and we tour, I, it feels fresh again. And, and I can, you know, maybe bring some elements of that into what, what I do with my own solo stuff. And I think that's kind of how the other guys probably feel too as well. Oh, true. That makes complete sense. Is there yeah. um, is there like an end game? Do you are you recording these uh, shows? Like you want to ever like revisit what you know came up as an improv to be like you know what let's expand upon that let's perhaps make a record or is this what yeah. it is right now? I yeah I do I do think that we you know well one thing was we always encourage people to come to the shows and tape the shows that's a that's a big part of the encourage you know it's nice. like you know some people kind of yeah so the more that those get out there whether it be on video or audio. You know, anybody listening, if they come to the show, say Saturday night, feel free to, 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 you know, bring anything you want to record it, you know, and put it out there. But the, um, the, um, we, I do think what, you know, I see us in the future, like actually recording a, like a proper type album. And ultimately I would like to do it similar to the way we do live to where we go in the studio, set up in the studio and at least kind of, you know, start playing together, you know, as opposed to, you know, so much of uh, studio work nowadays is, is like cutting and pasting and, you know, mm -hmm. the way Pro Tools is, it's, you know, you, you play eight measures and someone just copies that a bunch of times and it, it kind of loses the feeling of the music. And so uh, I would like, you know, when we go in there, I'm sure they'd ultimately be ideas, but um, just go in there and make almost like the same concept we do on album in the studio, you know, just go in there in the studio and jam and see, see where the compositions go to.
I love it. And I also love it in addition, because I, I said before how being on the spot and being unpredictable is, is almost gone in today's music and rock specifically. But the fact that you're encouraging people to come down and record you and, you know, a lot of bands like Danzig, I had to put my, my phone inside a like a, a cloth case or some sort of casing. Uh, the fact that you guys are really encouraging audi- audience participation in a way is also really refreshing oh well thank you yeah i mean that's what like i said earlier in the in the conversation it's all about you know the audience becomes part of the the band almost as as much as we are and that they're helping us you know we're all on this journey together for every show and and they're they're help dictate i mean i guess to make the ultimate studio album we'd have to actually have an audience come to the studio too as well now i think <laughs> about, as you're saying that which which actually could be a pretty cool concept you know record an action album with an audience which would be kind of something something kind of cool yeah so there we go we we, we just laid the groundwork for the first headtronics album here on your show all yeah. right uh, hopefully, hey, man. Uh, hopefully i'll be in the liner notes somewhere you don't have there to. There you go. Maybe or or in the audience. Hopefully, even better, right? Oh yes, it would. That's very true. So for those people who, yeah. I love that when some people like they listen to like, Get in the Ring or other places. Oh, I was at that show. I'm forever on this album. So that would be a right. certainly a, a trip. So where did the the name come from? Was that from Bootsy Collins, Hedronics? Yeah, Bootsy actually came up with the name. We were, you know, we. You know, we're scooting around with a million different names, and and you know, Bootsy's so good with the, with the name game, and and he he sent over him and I were kind of talking about some other stuff on an email one day, and and uh, he sent over that and a couple other names, and every time the first everybody when I sent it to Logic and and to Mullet, when we both saw it, we're like it was right off the bat, all this is like Headtronics was like perfect, it was like a perfect fit for for the band, and um, yeah, so it was it. it, it it felt like it was already out there, and Bootsy just kind of pulled it from the universe and, and gave it to us. So, <laughs> perfect. Yeah. What can, because uh, I, I saw nothing but great reviews from the St. Louis show. I mean, what can people expect? Because this is a new a new thing. You know, you, you guys individually have a track record, but this new beast you've created is going to be new for a lot of people. What can, do you know what to expect? Because like you said, you just go in and you figure it all out. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the, that's the, the beautiful part of Headtronics is every show, like, you know, you, you don't know what to expect. But, I mean, I think the fact that we've had, you know, we did have that initial show, everybody kind of feeling each other. I was like our first date, you could say, even that Logic sure. and Mullis and I played together. It was, you know, Richard's first time with us. So now we can uh, kind of start expanding off that relationship that we developed from the first show. And, I'm, I'm look, like I said earlier in the phone com- conversation, um, the Brooklyn Bowl is such a wonderful play. Everybody loves playing there. It's a very good, comfortable zone to do what we do. So I, you know, foresee the Brooklyn Bowl being pretty special on this Saturday night. Yeah, and like I said, I'm obviously this is a podcast, but I'm going to put this out obviously before the show. Uh, Brooklyn Bowl this Saturday, February the 16th. Oh, February is half over already. Jesus, that's crazy. Uh, I know. Uh, show is going to be at eight o'clock. You're freak in Cincinnati. You're you're very grateful. <laughs> oh yeah, how is the weather there then? Because it actually it snowed for a day in New York, uh, and then everything is melted. It's like almost fifty today. It's this is yeah, like weather by Sybil. We're pretty close to you all. I mean, we may be like a day off, but it's it's Cincinnati's pretty in the same zone. It's like in the forties, like like mid forties right now. We had a couple little cold days, and it's been raining more than anything else when I've been here. Then okay. it's just been like it's almost like flood flood areas, of like a lot of this part of the, the city. Joy, the flooding and the potholes is what you got to worry about in Cincinnati right now. Exactly, that is correct. The potholes <laughs> are out of hand. Oh yeah. 
I get that, having to drive uh, in New York City every day. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's well, like if you give me some, some, some light on the Cincinnati weather, it was one degree that Wednesday of the Metallica show. And, Freak, if you'll remember, like a week ago, it was like 65. <laughs> oh, right, right. Oh, so with the Metallica show when we had the polar vortex thing here? Was it during that, that yeah. little era? Yeah, that was like I'm literally looking at my phone, and it says one. And I'm reminded of that uh, trains, planes, and automobiles scene when uh, they're riding the back of the pickup truck to the train station. Right, right, yeah. right, right. What do you think of the temperature is? One. One. <laughs> but it, like, literally was one on Wednesday. The following Wednesday was, like, 65. It's crazy. What was it at U.S. Bank? Yeah. Oh, okay, got yeah. it. And it, yeah, it, was, it wasn't outside. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that was You got the terrible. nice uh, riverfront breeze when you got out of the show. Oh, it was crazy. <laughs> right, 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 right. That, wow. That's why I don't like going to football games. I like to be comfortable. That's me. But it's the same yeah. here in, here in uh, New York. But then we so we got you from Cincinnati, Richard from St. Louis. Where is uh, DG Logic from and uh, Mullets? Where are they from? Um, well, both of them are fr- well. Mullets is originally he's an LA guy, the California West Coast guy, but he lives now in New York City as well. And uh, oh. uh, Logic is from the Bronx, so oh. he's from New York too as well. Okay, yeah. So it's going to be for them. It's going to be like uh, you know playing in their backyard hometown show. Yeah, Richard and I will be the out of towners for it. Oh, very cool. All right. Well, I. I I would hope to, and I know because it's all these different schedules, like you have to go to a session soon. That's why we're not doing a, a dual interview with, with you, you and Richard. But uh, hopefully you guys do come back through New, through uh, New York and co- all come in studio. That would be kind of awesome. And maybe we can record some that live will, stuff there. That would be wonderful, yeah. And, you know, maybe we'll have, like, you know, some, some early versions of the Hedronic album then, too, as we can kind of kind of kick that, some of that in the studio for you, too, as well. Oh, I'd be totally So an album is definitely the... Is, is definitely forthcoming. Is, is, is I think that, so, is that yeah, yeah. I mean, we're such in a semi-embryonic stage now with, with this version of the band, but um, the response has been, like, pretty much over. I mean, even, you know, we only played one show as a, as a four-piece, and um, it's been pretty overwhelming, and, and everybody was pretty inspired. And I think, um, you know, I really think that I could see that us doing something like that here in the next, you know, Definitely in the next six to eight months, having some kind of start getting something. If nothing else, if like an you know, if not a full LP, maybe at least an EP out for sure. That's awesome, and especially since it's it's funk, you know, it's something that's that's missing. I listen to, you know, just like a lot of just you know, old school George Clinton. Even if you want to go like the, the first couple of uh, Chili Pepper records, I I I, I, I guess miss that being more out there. You know, I don't I. What's- so I, I like that you're, you're, you're infusing all of this and, and now adding Richard into the fold. It's, you can take it to another level, and I'm excited to see where this goes. I well, too. yeah, and that's kind of, I think that's the real unique thing about Hedtronic because everybody kind of comes from different, you know, Steve, the keyboard player, is more from kind of what's the electronica, jamtronica world because his band is Particle. They, they're a big name in the, in the jam band festival circuit. DJ Logic's kind of more in the whole DJ world. Obviously, I come from the funk world, and Rich, Richard predominantly comes from more of the rock world. So you kind of put all those elements together, and that's kind of what creates the Hedtronics and makes it kind of so unique, you know? Absolutely. A little bit of everything. Yeah. No, I, I love that. And yeah. that's, that was one of the first things I noticed. It's like everyone on there is just like your own, but you all fit. It was like a puzzle that, that you're right. like the logo right. that's on your Facebook. You're four individuals, but somehow it just marinates together really well. So, the, well, I mean, I get it. Well, it's like the, we're, the, we're, the, we're the Avengers. We're the Avengers. <laughs> of, you know, it's like, 
you could stick Thor and, and Iron Man and uh, and Captain America all together in some kind of work. We're kind of like that. I'm, I, I love the superhero analogies. I'm a superhero geek, so uh, okay, that, that, that analogy seems seems to work pretty well for for Hedronics. Yeah. Sure, I, I I can also you know you can use Captain Planet when you all put the rings together. Uh, we there can, you go. We can go Power Rangers if you want. You guys form uh, the for Hedronics is the Megazord. No. See, I'm right on, yeah. <laughs> oh, too cool, too cool. I mean, this was a, a real pleasure to talk to you, and I know we can't, like you said, you have a, like I mentioned before, you have a, a session to go to, so I don't want you to, to be late, but I really appreciate the, the time you, you've given us. Uh, Jeff, I mean, do you have any more questions while we have, you know, your, your local hero? Because you really, you know, I, I may be embarrassing you a little bit, you really fangirled out. When I, I said, did, I, I gotta admit, you know, like I said earlier, the phone conversation before, before Freak got on, man, I was absolutely head over heels embarrassed that I did not know that this oh, band had one together. Being a local to, and knowing Freak and Freak, I mean, we've pa- we've crossed paths. I mean, you may know me by face or vice versa, but I mean, sure. your see here, your OHCD release party at 20th Century when Eclipse opened in in Bootsy MC'd, I was eclipsed. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that was that was a really fun show. I remember that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I was Eclipse's booking manager. So, T-Fly. Oh, right on. Oh, and we were up in Chicago doing three gigs, and, and I was like, I got the guys around the table, and I was like, you're only getting one call. Do you want to do it? And nobody, nobody flinched. We were on it in 20 seconds. Um, so, killer. I want to say thank you for us on that bill. And, oh, um, Definitely. Man, I mean, I could go through a hundred things that I know that, you know, we probably know the same people like Paul Carter and... Paul was my road manager for a long time, yeah. I was at the show that you played with Bernie Worrell at the Blue Wisp. Um, I mean, oh, I've yeah, been, yeah, that was awesome. And yeah, it was a super been, fun show. You there, stopped through, but I was at Chris's house up here in OTR. That's where I am yep. now is OTR, the Chris's house for the after party. All right. Um, what was the other last thing I wanted to talk about? I wanted to talk about the uh, December 22nd, 07 show at the Madison Theater uh, for the King of King Records, uh, James Brown tribute. Dude, that was amazing. We ended up doing a like kind of part of a tour. After. That was kind of the kickoff for a tour. We did uh, Milwaukee Summerfest with that. Then we did um, Minneapolis. Well, we did like four or five dates with, with that, too, as well. And then, and then Boot went over season, did some dates over there, too, as well with it. But, yeah, that was that was for me. That was about as special as it as it gets. The, the um, besides, you know, obviously Buckethead was on that show too as well, and Chuck D from Public Enemy and Africa Bombada, uh, legendary hip hop guy, and um, yeah, that just kicked off an amazing thing. And then w- when we went out and did other dates off that tour, you know, the the, the show ended for your listeners. The show ended. It was Bootsy put together the original James Brown band, the JBs. Oh wow. Um, and um, that was the, the, like the show started off with kind of every band doing their own little set. Like Freak Bass played, we played our own set, and then it, and it always it ended with with the JBs. But the, as we did started doing more dates, um, Bootsy would do this thing where he went. He one night we were I think we were in Minneapolis, and he's like he's like hey I want to go out in the audience and get with the people. So he kind of looked around. I'm sitting there watching their set. And he's like, come here, and handed me his bass. And then before I knew it, I'm sitting here playing with all the original JBs, like, oh, whoa, this is pretty tripped out. So it was, it was a huge, huge honor. And, and then we started doing that every night then after that. So it was, um, you know, huge honor, just an amazing, you know, amazing time to be around that, that much talent too as well. So 
Yeah, and again, that's all from the Cincinnati connection right there, you know, that Cincinnati-Ohio punk connection. Mm. Yeah, I, I'll tell you, I got my laminate from T-Sly. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. That's awesome. And he's like, I got a dip, man. You want this? And I mean, I was like, I was like, yeah. <laughs> so I went back, and I was talking with Chuck for a while, and I mean, my hand was just open the whole time, just shaking hands. And he's like, all you got to do is just don't be an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Yeah, everybody's cool. And everybody was there for, you know, they were there to honor James, you know, and who touched all of us and, you know, either like literally or, or you know, obviously musically. So it was it was a really, really great event. Yeah. It was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity and show to see in Cincinnati, and it was amazing. If you talk to Bootsy, maybe you can get them to do it, like, buy or try annually, man, because it's been uh, 12 years. We need another one. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready for it. I agree. I agree with you 100. percent It seems and, like uh, it seems like Freak has a lot on his plate right now, but that's something I would love to uh, see as well. And I'm glad you both got to experience that and be a part it was of at it. Christmas time, so you can make it like a Christmas annual jam. You know, everybody's yeah, perfect, <laughs> perfect. There you go. We're coming up uh, with how to make a studio record here. We're coming up with uh, another James Brown tribute uh, show. You guys are you guys are my management company. <laughs> You're my for me right here. Yeah. <laughs> Freak, it was it was really just a pleasure to meet you. Um, you know, you're you're always welcome back on as you are, and I call my my listeners this. I haven't played this soundbite in a while. Bad you're a bad apple, so I, you're always uh, ah. you're always welcome on the show, and of course, uh, you know, in studio. And I'm I'm super excited to see what happens with Hedronics. Uh, obviously, Hedronics and both and Freak Bass, you could find them pretty easily on Facebook and Twitter and uh, any social stuff you want to get out there. Yeah, yeah. Just I mean, you know, like you just said, all I'm at the, all the normal places. For those that don't know the name name spell, I'm a little, I was a bad speller, so we spell the name. It's F R E E K B A S S. So if you're looking it up online, it's like that. And um, yeah, besides Hedronics, you know, I, like I told you, I just got signed to this great label called Color Red. We're putting out a full album in May, so Color Red Records. Just look it up online. We they just released my first single last month, which is called Freakonomicron. It's available at Spotify, Apple Music, and all that. All those wonderful places, and uh, yeah, more than anything else, spread the word. You know about Headtronic for you Guns N' Roses fan. I think for uh, you know what, uh, especially what Richard's bringing to the table. You know with what he's done with them. It's a really special thing, and it'll. Uh, it's a really special group, and hope to see a lot of your listeners um, either at this, this Saturday at Brooklyn Bowl or at some other shows coming up in the future. Right on, and that's what this show is about. I'm like, yeah, GNR is the, more of like the nucleus of this show. It's a jumping off point, six degrees of, of bacon, as I mentioned before, and that's how we learn about Freak Base. That's how we learn about the uh, the funk history of C- Cincinnati. You know, we just needed a little GNR push to get in that direction. Right on, right on. Well, good. Well, man, well, enjoy. I hope your your uh, interview goes well with Richard, which I'm sure well. He's a great, great human being. And um, you guys, uh, congratulations on the show, and thanks again for having me on. Thank you. You want me to say anything to uh, to Richard for you? No, man. Just tell him I'm just ready to get down and get. I'm ready to funk with him on Saturday. That'd be the best thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you got it. I will I pass that along. One last question, Freak. Sure. When you guys are tuning and warming up before the show in St. Louis, are you and Richard in the same room, or are you guys like completely separate, trying to get on stage with like no idea how the other guy's going to take the next the next thing? Take, no, take we're definitely. I mean, you know, we all had, we like in St. Louis, for instance, we all had dinner together, and everybody, you know, I mean, part of it 
you know, as a musician, as you're you're connect, you know, you're not just connecting on your particular instrument. You're connecting as human being as souls too, as well. So that's an important part of it. So we definitely all four of us hung out together, including Rico, our drummer. That's a tour with Headtronics too, by the way. Is is the drummer that tours with me? His name is Rico Lewis. Rico uh, toured with George Clinton for 15 years, so he's he's a funk master himself too, as well. So he's part of Headtronics as well, and. Um, so we all four of us had dinner together and, and you know, connected and, and just kind of got to know each other a little bit better. And that, that definitely made the show run a lot more smooth, too. Awesome. And I, I will say I, I would personally be there by myself, but my girlfriend has a dance show on Saturday at the same gotcha. time. And I can't miss gotcha. it. It's, it's, it's really uh, as simple as that. <laughs> it sucks. Well, I mean, we'll no, it's great. Again, you know? it's, I, I hope so, because I, I don't want the, I don't want to have to miss a... Well, I guess I will miss a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity since every show is different. But, you know, the next time you guys are around, I absolutely will be there. But anything, of course, uh, beforehand, just to, to spread the word about this really awesome brand-new band uh, coming yeah, together before our sure. eyes. I'm pretty sure that Relics Magazine is streaming streaming the show too oh. as well. So, oh, okay. Yeah, so if you're, if, if for for the, your listeners that aren't aren't able to make it to, to the venue, I think you can watch on you can watch it on streaming too through Relics.com. Yeah. Oh, great! I'm glad uh, we I, I we found that out. Awesome. R e l i x, correct? Yeah. Yep. R e l i x. You got it. Yeah. Cool. cool. Thanks for clearing that up, Jeff. Because I would have gotten that wrong. So thank you. <laughs> well, Frico, uh, enjoy your session. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. All right, guys. Good luck with everything. Uh, and yeah, good, good. I hope I see you around town again, buddy. Oh, my pleasure, man. Be safe in your travels this week to get to uh, New York, man. For sure. For sure. All right. Cool. We'll talk to you guys soon. Take care. You got it. Take care. Bye. 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 So uh, that was awesome. I mean, I, I I feel embarrassed, Jeff, for not you know. It's, you said that you were you weren't aware of the band, but the fact that I wasn't aware of a freak bass until now. I mean, you know, I'm late to the Buckethead game. You know, I didn't know about him until GNR. I mean, freak is like an awesome acquired taste, man. Like you either go to his shows or you don't. You know what I mean? In Cincinnati, and most all of them I've been to are sellouts. So, I mean, the show that we did with him was sold out, like, weeks in advance. And the 20th Century Theater probably holds 900 people. Mm. So, I mean, he's a he's a definite draw. So, um, I, without question, would recommend if Freak or, or any of his side projects come to your town, go check them out. I mean, I'm a pers- personally, I'm a bass player, so I'm kind of partial. So, I, I like to go out and see, like different bass players play, you know? Yeah, but, I mean, if the guy's been, you know, knighted by Bootsy Collins and is t- obviously talented enough to play with the likes of Buckethead, Robin Fink, Richard Fortas, I mean, he's obviously on another level. You know, I was watching some yeah. videos prepping for this interview, but live, I can only imagine being a completely different experience. Oh, he, he's phenomenal live. I mean, he's also, it's also a show, too, you know what I mean? Like, you go and see him play, but you also get a great live show. You get... Everything on the stage emulates him as as a musician. So the lights, the smoke, the, the you know the shadows, it's it's a show within a show as well. So it it's it's worth the the money you go to see Freak play without question. It's and then you talk about it for two or three days afterwards hmm. because it was something you hadn't seen before. Well, uh, so I, go ahead. Definitely worth it if you guys have a chance to see him. Hmm. So it goes to show you that there is good uh, music out there, good rock music out there, which I guess segues into a little what we're going to talk about on news. 
figured uh, we talk to the Jeff a little more and uh, do some uh, shotgun news before we get Richard Fortas on the on the line. Uh, I guess the new music or just shit music, whatever the Grammys. I don't even want to get like I didn't watch any of it. You know, I, I, I haven't watched the award show, whether it be for TV screen or they're all or awful. The Oscars, power. everything is just. The 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 worst of the worst. It's just like this. Like I, I forgot who said it. I mean, I guess a lot of people have it. It's like high school. You know, it's like all the popular yep. kids from high school who really aren't that cool. It's just other popular. Well, remember all those popular kids from high school. Wait until twenty fifth and reunion. Uh, yeah, <laughs> all the chicks that didn't talk to you in high school are like not even worth talking to now. I'm just you know. God, I'm so much cooler now than I was in high school. I don't know what that means, but Jesus. But uh, we, we got to mention. The only reason to care about the Grammys is that um friend of the show, um, Arian Bueller, was nominated for the uh, the box set, not in this lifetime box set, the uh, the artistic work. But they, mm-hmm. but they, I mean, and all the rock stuff I think was handed off off air, by the way, which oh, is, of course. oh yeah, fucking ridiculous. It's not, cool. it's not cool anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's one. I, I I get, I get it, and I don't. You know, because it was obviously offensive that they didn't put um, Finney Paul uh, on, you know, in memoriam. They didn't, put, um, they didn't, they didn't mention uh, Izzy's guitar player either. What's his name? Oh, Car- Carla. Uh, why am I forgetting it? I yeah, know. That's what it's from my tongue. I know. You know what I'm talking about. He, he wasn't mentioned either. Lane Stanley wasn't mentioned when it was his, when he passed. It's, it's, it's crap. And I think that the Emmys, in my opinion, stops giving a crap about rock when they so. And if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, is when Metall or Megadeth walked up and Metallica was playing. <laughs> yeah, or um, uh, Jethro Tull went over Metallica. Oh, that was crazy too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think yeah. when it just came to the boxes to check for the judges, they were like, "Oh shit, I'll just grab one, and whatever happens, happens," because. That, think about the judges, man. Those are the guys out there, like rubbing elbows with the big wigs and kissing the butts and putting helping put asses in the seats and and making sure that like everything is like um, on pro tools and perfect. While real musicians sit in the background and get snubbed, not only for TV time but for for the for being noticed as as an artistic front. It's just it's bullcrap. And if you buy into it. In my opinion, that's your problem. And pop culture's got you by the balls, and you got to seriously figure the rest of your life out. That's why I just don't get to own you. I don't get too obsessed with it because I know I can't get too offended by it. Uh, by, the, uh, by the way, it was Charlie Quintana, the name we were trying to think of. But I, yeah. I, I do, and I don't get because why would the the Grammy board know Pantera? But it should be their job to do the research and be aware of other genres, but. That's if that is a, Google search would have fixed that. I know. Since passed in, in the past year. I know. I, I know. But uh, our the other, um, I don't know. I want to say it was a mistake because what uh, the GNR team lost, uh, who they lost out to, was Weird Al, and I love Weird Al. So I. Hey man, Weird Al, like, he, like he. he He's paid to become famous. He's had to pay for the rights to songs to re-record them in his mm. way. He's in the new Weezer video for Africa. Yeah, I mean the guy's an artist. Have you watched his behind the music? Oh yeah, I I am a mega Weird Al fan. 
my wife. I've never drank. I've never done drugs. I have no idea why you're here. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's like the nicest guy. He was like an architect, coming from a good family. Why are you doing a, a behind the music about me? But I remember his TV show, are you, are you, UHF. Are you, a, are you a fan of the uh, TV show, The Goldbergs? I am, actually. Yeah, he did a cameo on that show. On that show, it was perfect. I think that's one of the best TV shows out there right now for families. It reminds me too much of my family because it's obviously very Jewish. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, is that how we act? You know, so I guess they're, 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 they're right. He drops the pants every time he walks through the front door. <laughs> <laughs> I do tell my mom, though, she is a lesser version of Beverly Goldberg. She's not as bad. But there are times in my life that she went full Beverly, you know, on a teacher for me or some other person, just like a total overprotective Jew mom. But yeah, oh, Schmoopy, all that stuff. The names, my baby, all, yeah, yeah. It's all, it's all very true. Especially so, if you were an 80s kid, it's a good show. Yeah, no, absolutely. A lot of great references. Uh, but why haven't they done an Appetite album show out, uh, episode yet? They've done uh, Beastie Boys uh, yep. references. Uh, the last one they did, because we thought, you know, we're sports guys, they did on Major League. There was a whole episode dedicated to Major League. Yep. So we'll see if, if uh, they make any GNR references because I know there are, of course, plenty in in, in pop I culture. Did see, like, them when they were like in a a record store, and I want to say um, maybe it was. No, I'm thinking David Spade at the VHS store, but no, there was there was an episode where they were in a record store and it had like the Appetite album, but it was the cassette with those long plastic like anti theft devices. Oh yeah! Wow! I, yeah, I remember those. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, you always have but to pay they, attention they, like, to like the, the posters they have in their walls too. This the subtle references. You watch Young Sheldon, man. They like they drop Guns and Roses lines all the time. The uh, older brother. I, my mom watches it, and I believe what about my listeners pointed that out that uh, a reference was made. Uh, so yeah, there's there's been references, and then he's always wearing a G and R T shirt, and he's got like axle toasters all over his walls. Oh, nice. The older brother on the show does. Hmm. Maybe I should reach out to the uh, creator of that show and try to, you know, get him on. Like, well, is he a huge Guns N' Roses fan and see where that goes? That could be interesting. Yeah. Hmm, we'll see. Yeah. And speaking of the Six Degrees, um, Gary Sunshine, former guest of the show, uh, played yeah. on Oh My God. He has a new Kickstarter out for a new album. Uh, he writes, I'm here to raise funds and help finance the recording and the release of my new record, tentatively titled Beer, Picks, and Old Records the help of some of my friends and a few guitars, plenty of elect- uh, electrics. Uh, the plan is to have it completed later this year. So if you want to, you know, help him, help him out, make his uh, his album, you know, uh, we got to support good rock music. Uh, just go to Kickstarter. I mean, I posted links on my uh, Facebook and Twitter, and I'm sure if you just type in Gary Sunshine, uh, you'll be able to find it. But I just wanted to to mention it because we, we, we spoke about it on the episode. I don't know if you listened to that one, Jeff, but, yeah, you know, if him and Axel got along so well, why was it just the yeah. one song? And he said, and he writes that actually in his uh, Kickstarter, uh, you know, his whole summary is that he's made a few mistakes. And I think one of his mistakes was never reaching out to Axel again. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens uh, with More that. More power to him. I hope the album is a success and comes out as soon as possible. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, also, and I mentioned this last episode, Shotgun News is going to be, I mean, I try to do, I mean, you guys are really good with it. Uh, getting the news out there really quick on GNR Central. Me, you know, I try to just want to make it more than just an interview show, make it like a radio show. But then, again, if it's 
a timely news story or people have been talking about it for a few days is it worth it for me so i like sometimes making it like a bulletin board things that are going on things may be happening so uh i would just advise people to to follow me on facebook and twitter uh, at the afd show not just for ego reasons but for uh former uh solicitor of the show former co-host of a I think a couple episodes. Uh, Ray from the UK. He's going uh, to the Slash show um, in Glasgow, and he's going to be doing some Facebook Live for us. Hell yeah. So that's going to be really cool. I know we did that once before with GNR. Um, Remco did that for us, and that was the first time they played Shout Slither. Out to you, buddy. Yeah, so, they, so you never know. So for people like me who don't go to get, some, get to go to some cool venues... Uh, or mm-hmm. get to travel the world. A lot of GNR fans travel the world. You know, we'll we'll bring you that on uh, the AFD shows uh, social media pages. So, speaking of friends across the globe, uh, Gilby played last night at the Whiskey, and a couple people that I know went said it was pretty kick ass time. So, that new album from Gilby's going to be here any springish, quote unquote. Yeah, I've I've tried. Uh, you know, as as Jeff, you know, you know, booking guests can, can be a challenge. You never know. Uh, yeah, right. So, I mean, I've tried getting Gilby on. I've heard nothing but good things, you know, as far as him as a person. You just, you just never know. But it's just funny enough how this Richard thing came to be. All I did was comment on his Instagram, which all of us do. And I said, I would love to have you in studio to help promote the Brooklyn show. And then somebody reached out to me. And then that's how this all came together with Freak Bass. And sometimes that happens. Or, you know, uh, we'll see if this right now I'm trading emails with... <laughs> The manager of uh, Michael Sweet from Striper. Oh, so wow! We'll see if uh, we'll see if that happens. Maybe next episode, I'll be able to announce that uh, officially. So uh, we'll see. But I mean, uh, Jeff, I know it's been overdue us doing a, a crossover Simpsons critic episode. Um, yeah. I know I've been on GNR Central. You know, it's cool yeah, what you guys do. Had to, unfortunately, I had to do it the first time for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, with all the uh, the copyright stuff. I believe uh, those who listen to, whether it's uh, the AFD show or GNR Central, you know, Jeff and I are still very aware and on top of what's going on with the copyright stuff, the trolling. You know, uh, you know, we may not bring it up as much anymore, but we're still have our finger on the pulse. I'm assassin that I'm at this point. After, it, after my uh, <laughs> certain comment that you almost got blamed for... <laughs> I think I'll rather be a silent assassin at this point. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it just goes to show you some people just don't listen. You got, like, really mad telling people to suck your wiener and some like, maybe not nice, <laughs> worse, I was like, more you know, vulgar I, like words. I told you in, in private message, Fernando caught me in a red that day. Uh, <laughs> hey, you know what? You're allowed. You could tell, you know, you were kind of being funny and facetious about I mean, it. I've been, I've been quiet and I've been patient. And when it gets to the point where children are involved, that's where I fucking draw the line. Period. Yeah, no, I get it. And for those of us, uh, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, uh, I would suggest listening to the, uh, the GNR Central episode. Um, it was me, of course, uh, Jeff and Sid, Miss Meadow, and Doug Goldstein. Uh, also, mm-hmm. And the AFD episode uh, called uh, Co- Copyright Democracy. Well, I'm sorry? I said, who I, Doug, I love you, buddy. I'd love to thank you for that rude awakening phone call this morning. Oh, well, like why? That early. I'm sorry, go Yeah, Doug is funny like that because uh, you uh, were both friendly with him off the air. He just calls me like whenever I'm out, you know. Yeah, right. It's like, 
Uh, I love the guy. I love the guy, but he and I like he's in Texas now, so he's okay. two hours behind. So what's and he's up early. Oh, he and I both never sleep, so he it's one in a million. It's it's, it's not a it's not a one in a million shot that I won't answer. So he when he calls, I typically am already up, but this morning uh, I didn't want to be up so early, but I was. So be it. So be it. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Well, Jeff, I, I had to uh, get work done anyway, so you know. I gotcha. Well, Jeff, I really do appreciate your, your time and, and having you on. We'll have you on again here at the uh, on the AFD show again, and just oh, it's my pleasure, man. I mean, especially covering a artist like this with the you know having the same background here in Cincinnati, and uh, you know I appreciate you guys opening you know you opening the door to me and having me on, man. I really appreciate that. Absolutely, my my man. So we will we will talk soon, and uh, and yeah, we will. I, I don't know where I was going to go with this. We'll we'll talk off the air about weird things like like we do. As we always do. As we always do. <laughs> I think that's the best and safest way to put it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, uh, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. I hope you enjoy your Hallmark holiday. And uh, uh, yes, get, you know, have sex and food tonight. What's your favorite uh, Guns N' Roses love song? Oh, it's, well, obviously it's a strange, but okay. after that would be. Um, Back off, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I might go uh, November Rain and, hmm. Um, maybe So Fine. So Fine's up there, which is a song I wish Duff, why, why, why he's not playing it in the set still to this day. It just blows my mind. Well, I, I, yeah. I hope whatever GNR does in the future, things keep growing and expanding and you know, we'll, I, wanted, we'll I wanted to ask you real quick. Sure. You know, if Izzy ever, ever, ever stepped on stage with them, what songs do you think they would play? Probably because think about it. When they have guests on, it's not usually like Angry Anderson, like Nice Boys is not exactly a song that's typically in the, in the rotation. Like, do you think that they would whip out 14 years and something else? Or do you I, think that they would just stick to the regular? I would hope 14 years. I mean, I would hope so. I really would. You know, instead of him just... I mean, it would be great if he just joined, what he did, What has he done before with them? Used to Love Her or, you know, It's Too Easy and just, right? I forget what specific songs, but that was the first one that popped in my head when you asked me. It was 14 years. So we'll see. We'll, we will, we'll see what the future of this, uh, this band holds. Just, but just the fact we'll, that we'll there is a future is great. We'll cross our fingers at the same time. <laughs> That's what it's like what being a GNR fan. On, um, I'm sorry? Well, uh, that's what it's like being a, G- a GNR fan, just crossing our fingers. But it's been all good news. It's been all g- good stuff coming out of that camp. Again, I appreciate you guys opening the door to me at, for me and, uh, and having me on, man. Awesome. We'll do it again. My pleasure, man. Really cool to finally get Jeff from GNR Central on the show. Uh, I, I appreciate uh, all of you who've kind of asked for some sort of uh, crossover to happen. So I enjoyed going on their show, and I appreciated Jeff helping me out with the the interview with uh, Mr. Freak Bass. But I think now it is time for our one-on-one with Richard Fortas, who's calling up uh, right now. So, I mean, it's just a, a real pleasure for you to, to take time to, to talk to, to me today and, you know, my audience. You're such, a, you're such a beloved figure or character in the rock world. So, and you're, you're, Is that right? I mean, does, I don't know if anyone has, I mean, I know, I don't know everyone in your life, like, you know, ex-girlfriends and stuff, but no one has anything bad to say anything like about you. You're just such a beloved guy. Ah, uh, that's nice to hear. You know, I think this is actually, um, 
This might be the funniest uh, start because I'll ask you some fan questions because I want to get involved. But don't worry, nothing like inappropriate or anything like that. Uh, but this okay. is this is funny. It's from Mr. Mac and it's from all over the world. This is from Ireland. Uh, you know the movie Seven when uh, Mills asks Kevin Spacey if he knows he's crazy. Do you know that you're insane? So if you can ask Fortis if he knows how good of a player he is. <laughs> um. I think I have a good handle on where I am at um, as far as a player. I know what I know what uh, what I can do and what I can't do, and where what I would like to be able to do that I can't do. You know. Hmm. When did it? Because you're you're from St. Louis, true and uh, through and through, right? Uh, I am from St. Louis. I lived in New York most of my life, though. Uh, where in New uh, York? In, in Lower East Side. Okay. I'm in uh, Tribeca right now. Right on. Yeah, I still own my apartment on, uh, yeah, the on Grand Street. Okay. So, I mean, how often do you go back back home to St. Louis? Because I will say I, I went to St. Louis once. It was several years ago. Uh, I have, you know, quick side story. I have a neurological disability. And my dad had mm-hmm. taken me to the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota a couple mm-hmm. times, and he took me to Washington University in St. Louis. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I yeah. honestly fell in love with that city. You know, I was actually looking for radio jobs in St. Louis from everything. I went to the old Bush Stadium. Uh, I got to see my, my former, former uh, favorite Yankee, Tina Martinez, play when he was on the Cardinals. Uh, All I, right. I remember going to a bar with my – well. A restaurant with my, because I was too young at the time, a restaurant with my dad after, and seeing it was right after a St. Louis Blues game. And for a New Yorker where you got two teams for every sport, and it's all just blood, like a bloodbath, but everyone just right. joining together for one team. It was just, what a wonderful uh, city that is. So I'm just curious if that's where you grew up and that's where, you know, that's who, yeah, sha- what shaped I'm you to be the person right you are. Now. That's where you are right now? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um yeah, I went inside I'm the here. arc too. I went inside the arc. Sorry, I'll I'll, I'll shut up after the arch. The arch. <laughs> That's a New Yorker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, it is a great city. It's a great. You know, I, really, the reason I moved back here was because I have two little girls, and it's uh, it's a lot easier. I had been in L.A. prior to being back in St. Louis. Okay. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's much easier, and I really didn't want my kids to grow up in Los Angeles. No, they're going to be more stable <laughs> in, in yeah. St. Louis. Yeah, it's just, there's something really grounding about being in the Midwest. I don't know. I, yeah. That's probably why <laughs> you... Can, you know, I'm in New York as much as I can be, mm-hmm. you know, I'm back there a lot for work, and... Uh, um, it still feels like home to me, mm. the city, even though it's very different, but especially in my neighborhood. Well, you, I mean, you, you travel all over, but yeah, New York is, is something special. And especially, of course, since you, you know, you, you spend time here, but I got to assume you growing up in St. Louis might be one of the things that you bonded over with Freak Base, who we just spoke to. Before you came on, and and he says he can't he can't wake the uh, to the funk with you to funk you up with you or something like that. I forgot his exact phrasing on Saturday at the Brooklyn Bowl, but because he's obviously from a Midwesterner also, you know, he's very down to yeah. earth. So do you think that's where you guys bonded in addition to being players? 
Uh, yeah, for sure. For sure. And his wife is an old friend of mine from, I think she went to school in St. Louis and used to come see my first band all the time. And uh, yeah, and through, so I've known him through her for years. Okay. It's amazing. Life is funny. The people that you meet and you, you end up doing something with them later, which could be said with, with a lot of your career, you know, you've, when I started off, everyone seems to love you and you, you keep getting, uh, you know, asked to join different bands or uh, whether it be, you know, like the Dead Daisies or joining X Japan on stage. You're always doing something in addition to, you know, that little band that you're a part of, Guns N' Roses. But it's... Yeah. You know, I think that uh, as a musician, you... I think there's so many great musicians out there that are phenomenal players. It's And it, it really has a lot to do with how you relate to other players, you know, other musicians. And uh, I think that's why... I think that's why I've been as fortunate as I have been because I, um, I, I, you know, we all share a passion for music and it's our life obsession. And you feel that from other musicians when you meet them, you know, and it's, it's a bonding thing. And if you can get along with somebody, it just, and you have that in common. I think that uh, ultimately that's what makes you appealing, you know? I do. So what of you know, where your your kids are going to grow up now, they're going to grow up like you, St. Louis. So what was like little, little Richard like, <laughs> not the little Richard, but the young version of yourself growing up in St. Louis? Like how did you, you know, what drew you to the guitar? Did you always want to be, you know, a professional musician? Did your... Uh, perhaps your your career, uh, you know, as a wrestler, not work out. I mean, like, what what made you go on this path? When I was little, I remember being like, uh, like four or five years old and being in uh, in Sunday school and uh, at church, and them asking me, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they were asking everybody in the group, you know. And I remember thinking. That's my earliest memory of thinking, I want to be a musician. Mm. And I started playing violin when I was young. I was about you know, four or five. And oh, wow. then also started playing drums around that time. And it really um, just fell in love with it at a very young age. And, and with it being music, you know. And I didn't start playing guitar until I was about 12 yeah, about 12 years old. Hmm. But I continued playing violin, you know, through uh, throughout my life. Do you st- and you still play violin, yeah. like, every now and then, or...? Yeah, in fact, I have to do a session this week where I'm playing violin and cello. Oh, man. We got to see you do, like, a uh, a Jethro Tull cover or something. We got to get you doing a violin solo on some of these shows. It- it's funny, you don't think about a uh, violin with, I don't think about, I don't equate violin with uh, Jethro Tull as much as flute, but um, but they did have a violinist. Uh, uh, Jobson played violin when he was with him. Yeah. Eddie Jobson. Okay, see, they're there. I, I, I Obviously, you know, the big thing is the flute, but I'm just, it was the first 
rock band that came to my my name other than I mean Yellow Card Yellow, Yellow Card that that the, the pop punk band had a violinist. Right, right. But what about uh, ELO? Oh duh, yeah yeah. I was just watching Jeff Lynne's ELO on uh, that that special on Showtime. Yeah. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen it. It's a live performance. Yeah, I think it was from the uh, O2 and Arena. Mr. Loose Guys, the documentary, the uh, Jeff Lynn documentary. I haven't seen that. It's fantastic. So we both have homework to do. Yeah, I was always a big fan. Oh, yeah. I mean, who? I love him. I'm the oldest of four boys, and my third youngest brother one day just goes to me, have you ever heard of this band, Electric Light Orchestra? I guess look at him. Like you're 20. You're, have you heard of a band from the 70s? Yes, I know who they are. But it was nice to see somebody young uh, dig deep in, into that. But um, speaking of, like, I guess, older music, so then what were you listening to when you were, were younger, you know, especially when you were you know, with violin or like what got you into guitar? I guess we should go there. Where, uh, what were the bands that, or players that inspired you to finally you know, put down the, uh, the bow and pick up the guitar? Well, I was, I mean, like I said, I was always a drummer as well. Uh, so I played in bands as a young kid, you know, friends playing drums. And then got in, I guess, you know, I started playing because I was hanging out with guitar players and sort of thought, man, that doesn't look so difficult. Because there were always guitars in my house. There are always guitars around. My father was in the music business. He was a uh, uh, in the musical instrument business. Okay. And so he had uh, he was partners in a company that made guitars and amplifiers and drums. And so there were always guitars around my house, but I was always very intimidated by them because the long necks and uh, two extra strings and it being more polyphonic based as opposed to you know single note with uh, monophonic with violin um and i was intimidated by all of that i mean i got my hands full with four strings i'm just gonna stick with that and uh yeah so then i realized later on that it's actually easier in a lot of ways and uh started diving into that and then became obsessed with that but I always, I already had a lot of finger strength from violin, so it, I got good quickly. Okay. You know, I was able to pick stuff up very quickly. Anything else you were into when you were younger, other than music? Anything, uh, sports or any other cool uh, hobbies that maybe you, you still do now? Reading comics, anything? Uh, you know. That, yeah, the... I raced motorcycles as a kid. Okay. And uh, I still do that. Still, well, I still ride. Nice. I don't race, but can you ride now yeah. in St. Louis? Like, what's what's the weather? I know it's been changing everywhere across this uh, exactly. this nation. It's like sixty degrees. I uh, just dropped my my daughter. I'm waiting for her while she's at uh, gymnastics class. So yeah, when I'm home, I'm I'm whenever I can, I'm dad. You know, I'm I pick the girls up at school. I take them to all their stuff and. Uh, but during the day, I've been, like today, I'm looking, I'm producing this new album by the Psychedelic Furs. Nice. And uh, I've been working on that during the days. So. See, how do you, you find the time? And especially when you are, you know, a dad. 
and I, I said this to uh, the Freak Base, and I, I've said this to other uh, guests of mine, you know, like uh, like Alex Grassi, you know, from Hookers and Blow with Dizzy Reed. Uh-huh. It's like you already have the famous band that you're with, you know, and you could, in theory, live off that. And it's, you know, maybe as opposed to other earlier years, now GNR, I mean, they just came off a massive tour. Don't you want to be lazy? But then again, you know, I'm glad you're not, and fans are glad that you're not, because you come up with Hedtronics, and you're, then you mentioned you're producing, you know, Psychedelic Furs. So, like, how do you, how do you do yeah, it? Do you well, have a great I'm, secretary? Like, how do you do it? I'm always doing sessions and things like that because I, uh, I get depressed if I'm not working. Mm. You know, I start to feel like, oh, my God, am I ever going to work again? You know, and I think... There's always so much, and it makes me happy to work. You know, mm. I, I love doing it. I love making music. So it's always fun to do different things. And it's also fun to do different things that challenge you in different ways, you know? So I get to be in the studio and record and produce stuff and uh, you know, play on different people's records and as well as doing stuff like Hedtronics, which is an absolute blast for me. And it's uh, it's it challenges you in different ways. You know, it's very different than doing a GNR tour. Oh, I can only imagine because I didn't know. I was pleasantly surprised when Freak had mentioned that it's all improv. That you guys don't have yeah. a set list, and in nope. the DJ logic just goes up there as a beat. Then he'll come in with a bass line. Then you come in. I mean, is that? intimidating or are you guys just all gel so well that whatever you're going to do like an improv group that you just find a way and it, it just comes out awesome because I, I know it's new I, the thought of going to see something like that to me would be horrific like it, you know, <laughs> unless it's a caliber of player where it's a really interesting conversation, you know, music being a conversation. And if it's people that all they want to do is talk and they don't want to listen to one another, it's, it, which is, I think generally what happens in jam sessions um, it, and why it would be very unappealing to me. But when you have players of a certain caliber uh, and maturity we're all listening to each other. We're all thinking as writers and producers. So we're not, it's not um, ego driven and it's not masturbatory. So Mm. it's more about listening to what other people are doing and then finding a simple line and developing that and then changing it, you know, as you know, so, seeing that for 16 bars and then letting that go and shifting on something else and listening to what other people, yeah, it's, it's, it's really magical when it's right. And with this group of people, it's just absolutely phenomenal. And, uh, you know, I was, my first show with them was last, uh, last week and last weekend. And I was really not, knowing what to expect as far as how people would respond. But man, people are just were just blown away by by it. And it's incredibly infectious and it's there's something really magical about it. Because knowing that it's it's all completely unscripted and that there's 
it's very pure and very organic. And when it's working and it's magical, it's just, there's nothing else like it. And it's really phenomenal to be a part of that. Yeah. I was saying, you know, the freak uh, as well, that it's, it's something that is missing, not in just today's rock genre, but just in general. And I, we were talking about the Grammys and, or the Super Bowl halftime show where everything is so cookie cutter. There's going to be no surprises. And I feel like that's not what music is supposed to be. And you had mentioned that with the caliber of players, because it's not like you're up there, oh, let me tune my guitar, let me check my amp, and there's like these lulls. You just all seem to gel and it's like you had rehearsed these songs, you know, based right, upon the right. the videos you've been sharing on your your Instagram and your your Twitter and your Facebook. Uh, it's it's yeah, you're right. It's the antithesis of what the Super Bowl is. Yeah, you know? I mean, the, the shows like that or the Grammys. You know, it's so. I mean, I've done all that stuff, and it's so scripted, and it's so homogenized, and it it's. I mean. <sighs> It's it's about the dancing. It's about what you know. People aren't. They're not nine out nine out of ten times. Those people aren't even playing really. Yeah. You know. And if they are, they're playing the tracks. And it's just. Uh, it, it's that's not really what live music is about. And I think that's what has turned people off to it. You know, it's become so polished that live shows. It's just not. There's nothing dangerous about it. You might as well listen to the record. You know, like why yeah, why see the show? Pretty much are, you know. Mm. So that actually relates to uh, another fan question. This is from uh, Tintan from uh, from Mexico. His question will be related to your work with InSync and Enrique Iglesias. Speaking of that genre, so he uh-huh. would like to know like how those collabs came to life. And I love that you keep all. All of these got uh, the names in your in your Twitter profile because Enrique's up there with with GNR and the rest of your work. So how did how did those come to be? And what do you? I mean, I assume you prefer rock, but do you like um, being a part uh, of all these things? You know, those that I learned a lot. You always learn from different experiences. And playing with Enrique was interesting because the band was so good. And I came into that through a friend of mine, Tony Bruno, who's one of my favorite guitar players. And, you know, just the opportunity to play with him. And it was, uh, it was a great band. It was a lot of fun to, to do. And, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, I was going to spend 20 years in that band. But, uh, you know, it's for a quick thing. Same thing with, uh, with Rihanna. You know, that was a lot of fun to do for a short period of time um, for the same reasons. And it's not so much about, uh, but, you know, at the same time, I couldn't see doing those gigs for a long period because it would be, it would start to seem like a job mm. um, because you're playing the same exact thing every night. Yeah. You and, know? and there's no uh, and improvisation in that's right. And it's, uh, you know, again, you're playing along with recorded tracks or you're, you know, whatever, or to a click. And it's just not that, uh, like I said, it's not that. I mean, there are moments where it's free, but for the most part, it's, uh, it's not. And it's not about that. 
You, but um, yeah, I mean, I didn't do either of those gigs that long. As far as in sync, I never did anything live with them. I did. Um, I came into that because my friend BT, who I work with quite a bit, I'm actually doing a record with him next week. Um, a collaboration with two of us, uh, which is going to be similar to Headtronics, going to be built with a lot of fun, cool. but uh, more electronic music and. He was producing the NSYNC stuff and writing it, so I he brought me in. And uh, that's how I did that album. And then I ended up doing an album with one of the guys from from NSYNC, uh, JC. Okay, JC Shazay. Why do I know that? But I yeah. do. <laughs> yeah. I ended up doing a record with him that was actually really cool. I don't think it ever was released, but it was very sort of Radiohead-ish and very, hmm. uh, very interesting musically. Ish. And again, I came into that through the producer. You know, that, that's, I mean, a lot of the stuff, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I'm not credited for that I play on that, you know, that are bands or whatever that that uh, I just get hired to do the session. So how did and, you, a uh, freak touched on it a little bit, but uh, you joined Head, Head, um, Headtronic. So how did that come about? Because it's through Bootsy Collins and through Buckethead, right? So how did you, jo- how did you make this a four piece? Um, I came through it to, or I came to it through Freak. Um, like I said, I'd known him and uh, he asked, he knew that I was available. We've been talking about doing something for a while and it just seemed like, uh, the perfect opportunity. Okay. Yeah. This is a, a, a good question based upon what, what we're talking about now. This is um, from Tomaska. Uh, Richard changes gear a lot to adapt to the musical situation. I'm wondering if he's ever had trouble adjusting to a particular guitar setup that was uh, absolutely necessary for a piece of work that he had to do. Say, for example, the, the Strat he used for a while. Well, what is his, um, I guess this is the second part, what is um, his Desert Island gear pick? I'm guessing a single pickup junior. I picked up guitar because of Richard and Izzy. What a great guy. Um, I, man, I love juniors. I, you know, I, I love doing different types of gigs because I get to play different guitars. Nice. <laughs> I get to play different um, combinations of, of gear. And I know that seems strange probably to a lot of people but for me that's like uh if i get to play a certain like when i'm presented with uh a a gig and would you be interested in doing it i'm immediately that's the first thing i think about is what would i be playing Hmm. you know what what type of gear would i be playing um and what would i get to use you know so i think about i have a really large uh, collection of vintage gear and you know so I think about what would work best for that gig and you know that's that's a big part of it um, yeah he mentioned the Strat I, I think that's the uh, Strat he's talking about is my uh, signature guitar with Trussart guitars which is one of my all time favorite guitars I love that thing and it's uh it's out of all my vintage strats. That's the uh, I think it's the best sounding strat that I that I own. Um, but you know, I've I've never been in a situation where I 
couldn't figure out what was best. You know, some of the more challenging ones, I, uh, when I, one time I was doing a psychedelic furs tour and they didn't want to bring on a keyboard player and they asked me if I could cover the keyboard parts. So it became, or we actually were considering different keyboard players and I think maybe I was the one that said, you know, I bet I could cover all that hmm. and ended up using a guitar synthesizer and also covering the sax parts. I, you know, I was playing cello for the, ch- <laughs> it was like, it was, I, I, it was a challenge, but it, it's something that I took on just to see if I could do it. And, and it was quite an adventure, but I ended up uh, being able to cover all these keyboard parts uh, as well as the second guitar parts and the cello parts and the sax parts all on uh, just using, well, I did have an electric cello that I was using, but I had um, a guitar synthesizer and I, the way I mapped everything out so that different strings were creating different sounds and were tuned to different uh, notes and it was it was quite an undertaking, but it ended up working out. It sounds like you you like the challenge, and I've kind of done the same. I, I mean, my my career has been predominantly in in rock and classic rock, but I've done country, I've done adult contemporary. Uh, I'm even uh, a Jew who worked for the Catholic Channel. So I mean, whatever it is, I love I, radio. Uh, just like you love music and playing the uh, just playing in a, in a band or a, contributing, so I, I do get it in my own world. Uh, that's how I I can I can see it. I can totally see you as wanting to challenge yourself and not being complacent. Uh, and so. I would love to play in a country band. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to do a country tour because I love country guitar. I love. Uh, I mean, some of my favorite guitar players are country guitar players, um, and I think that. That love has really sort of influenced my rock playing as well. Okay. Yeah, I, in, a, in a big way. I, I like that. Um, oh, I, I just said the name uh, the other day. The the country artist that opened up for for Guns N' Roses, uh, Chris Stapleton. I love Chris Stapleton. Yeah, I could. See, you know, that would be awesome if you guys did a collab. It, I would love that. Um, yeah, I uh, and Sturgill Simpson as well. He did a couple of shows with us, yes. and I'm a, I'm a big fan of his as well. All right, and and speaking of, I guess challenging yourself, what what is it like to? Because this uh, the most recent GNR tour, there's a lot of illusion songs that were added, of course, with the uh, the lineup now including Slash and Duff. So, what was it like for you? Any challenges there to play more illusion and, and the Chinese stuff? Not uh, not as much as you had years prior. Anything different going from no. one GNR record to the next? No, no difference. No, uh-uh. no, not really. Um, yeah, the Chinese stuff is more challenging than anything else. Um, just sonically, there's a lot more territories you cover. You know. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, the illusion stuff is all pretty straightforward i mean some of those arrangements are very complex and some of the songs are you know when you have a song like coma you know that is pretty epic in that it goes through several different sections and it's sort of almost through compose and uh so that's a challenge but you know now it's it's uh 
it's all well within my wheelhouse. I'm, uh, yeah, we all come from a similar background. Mm. We all came up listening to the same stuff. Now, this is a, an odd one. Uh, Ro- uh, Ross Anderson says, strange one. Can you ask Richard if he was out jogging in Poland the morning after the, uh, I, I'm, I'm a third Polish. The fact that I can't pronounce the towns of these is terrible. Uh, Shorzo, uh, Shorzo. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I'm sure. If I'm you, sure I was. So, <laughs> he's like, I'm sure I was. I'm out running every day. Okay. Because you know? he goes, uh, sure, I've seen him but my, in my uh, hangover st- hungover state from my balcony. In uh, Meta Vista, so I guess that... Yeah, that was me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's too funny. Oh, I love it. Um, so with the, the Hedtronics, because this will be... I mean, you've played it before, of course, uh, Brooklyn Bowl. Oh, that's coming up uh, this Saturday. And um, I didn't see the GNR show when you guys were there. Knowing my life, I probably was at a radio shift somewhere. But I got to see a GNR uh-huh. cover band uh, there before... What do you think of that that venue, a Brooklyn Bowl? Because it's really cool, and a lot of you know a lot of big acts come through there. Yeah, I had a lot of fun there, um, and I've been to shows there. But um, yeah, I like that venue. Where do you see this going? Because uh, a freak said, and I'm assuming you'll uh, you'll agree that you know you encourage fans to to tape the shows. Because if it's all improv, I'm like, is anything recorded? Are you going to ever work off any of these uh, pieces of nope. music? <laughs> no. But for a future album, I mean, though, I, you know, I don't know. We should record. We should. Uh, we should release something because um, it's it's such a great group of players. That's what he thought. He's like, let's get a whole. You know, since you guys are built on live and being improv, just get like a an audience into the recording studio and do the album like that. That's a good. That's a good idea. All right, good. <laughs> and it's so easy now to uh, to record live, you know, multi-track. That would be uh, it'd be easy to do. Well, I hope that comes to fruition. Uh, do you mind sharing some thoughts on on Buckethead? You know, of course, because uh, you've played with him quite often. Phenomenal talent. He's one of the uh, he's one of the greatest guitar players I've ever seen. He's fantastic. I finally got him to see him for the first time. I don't know, it might have been a few months ago. It was the, uh, at BB King's Blues Club here in the city, which is closing yep. or it has closed. Uh, oh yeah, I heard it was closing. That's too bad. I saw some good shows there. Um, I saw the Meters there. I saw. Check this out. I saw Ike Turner play there. <laughs> um, and John Spencer opened. Oh wow. Yeah, Blues Explosion opened for Ike Turner. It was unannounced, you know, but yeah, uh, that was a great show. I don't know if I've ever met anyone who's been to an Ike Turner show. That's that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, Especially that that it happened uh, uh, locally. But I mean, I I hope you do, and I know we're we're short on on, on time, and you are super busy. You're obviously in St. Louis. You still have to get to New York in a couple days. Um, But I do hope uh, Headtronics does put something out, because this is just a really cool band uh and the premise of it is really cool when you bring all different things to it and i i think me along with the rest the the gnr fans we love all these and i've used um like a spin-off sitcom all these spin-off like they're real bands but if you look at gnr as the mothership if you just look at it like that you know what Uh what Duff's solo record what slash is doing uh, I, i love that you're all doing 
having all these awesome musical babies in, in addition yeah. to it. If that if that doesn't sound it, too weird, doing doing his thing with uh, with hookers and blow. Yeah, yeah, and then he's putting out a. Uh, uh, I never thought it was going to happen. That's what Alex would say. Uh, putting out a, a hookers and blow uh, covers record, and I'm hoping oh, to. Is that right? Yeah. I'm hoping to, cause I've had Alex on a few times, and uh, last time he was supposed to be with Dizzy, but he overslept, but his wife was was nice enough to wake him up for me just to say hi on the podcast. So That sounds about right. <laughs> so while I technically have had a current Guns N' Roses member on the show, I would say you're officially the first uh, GNR uh, member that I've gotten to interview a current GNR member, so I really do appreciate the, the, the little time that you have. Again, being in all right these conjillion bands and and being a dad, and uh, you, you got married not too long ago, right? Maybe a year or so ago, right? Or my couple re- years ago, yeah. Okay, so kind of remember. I mean, obviously we haven't spoken, so Mazel Tov, even though it's belated. <laughs> Thank you. Um, if you don't mind, if in, you can just cut me off whenever. A uh, couple of questions, if I can just get them in. Uh, well, is, I wanted to answer, you know, uh, the last question you you asked oh, sure. about Desert Island gear. Okay. Um, I, I wanted to answer that I, because, Please. ironically, I've been commenting on that on Instagram that the guitar that I played the at the last Headtronic show is a, a 73 Les Paul signature, and it is probably of all the guitars I own is definitely not even close to being the most valuable guitar that I own. But as far as a desert Island guitar, that would probably be the one just because it's so incredibly versatile. It feels like an old pair of jeans for me because mm-hmm. it's uh, it so much in, uh, you know, living in New York, that was and doing sessions every day during session work. I would that would be the guitar I would always use if I didn't have an idea of what I was walking into. So unless a producer specified and said, "Hey, this is the vibe," um, and I had some idea of you know what he was going for, I would then bring that guitar because I knew I could cover any bass with that. Okay. And and I played it in clubs and you know when I would play in New York City and uh, it just. Every week, you know, I'd, you know, that that was my sort of my act. So, yeah, that would be my desert island pick. Probably. Awesome. See that, that that's why we got a lot of questions for you, Richard. And obviously, I can't get them to them all, but they're not all the what you may think are the obvious ones. But it's you know, how does he play the way that he does? Why does he like playing this way? It's it's all about it's about your your talent and your specific. Your particular set of skills, as they uh, as they say. Uh, so that's why you know I started everything off that you're so beloved. So uh, again, because I got to get you uh, you out of here if I can just ask one more question. Jumping off that, you yeah. know, everyone you know hangs on your words whenever you do an interview. And again, I'm so appreciative that you've given me time. Are you like, the last interview you did with your hometown station that really blew up? Is there anything like? Do you like that when people are like knowing that whatever you, whether it's on this show or wherever, it's going to be well, go that, viral? The thing that's uh, no, because the thing that's that's sort of difficult with that is that you know you, whenever you say anything about how you feel or what your what might happen or what you know, especially when it pertains to Guns N' Roses, people then take that and. Uh, 
you know, either they misquote you or they leave things out, you know, to make it mm-hmm. seem like uh, you're making an announcement, you know, and then these all these websites pick up on it and they twist it further. And uh, it, it's just, yeah, it's very difficult in that way. I, I completely get it. And that's why I named this distortion, because I'm trying to get through that and be as honest as I can with my interviews. And, you know, it, it is hard with the uh, the headlines uh because they got to get clicks, you know, it is what it is, but you want people to listen to the full interview. So if there is anything to to say or you want to clarify, you know, about, about that or just in general, you know, the, the floor is yours or we can just leave it. Yeah, no, I hope that uh, I hope that um, people come. All of my New York friends can make it out on Saturday. Yeah, um, I'm really excited about this. Yeah. Um, and I, I told Freak, the only reason I can't make it is that I have to go to my, my girlfriend's dance thing. And unfortunately, that takes uh, priority over... I get it. I understand. But that means you have to come back through, because uh, I want to see this show. And yeah, yeah, you really need to. I, um, I'm hoping that we will do more, um, schedule it permitting. But uh, I don't know, I've got a lot of stuff coming up that... Um, I've actually got a couple um, big projects that I'm really excited about, but uh, but I can't can't talk about them yet. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, uh, I hope when but, the time uh, the time is right, you do come back on. But I will say this: I, at least people can watch wherever they are. You can watch it online, Headtronics, uh, the live stream from Brooklyn. Uh, oh, that's right, that's right. It's being live streamed. Yeah. So uh, you can just go to you can go to the Brooklyn Bulls uh, Twitter. They actually, I guess, retweeted it. They they have the link there. The Relics channel, uh, Relics with an X. So that's pretty badass that you, that you're doing that. That everyone, no matter where in the world they are, I need to share that as well on my uh, socials. Okay, look at that. I'm ahead of the game, Richard. Yeah, thank you for that. I forgot. <laughs> Well, we're doing a live stream. <laughs> <laughs> that's exciting. Hey, you know, I, in your defense, Freak almost forgot. It was like one of the last things that he said. So. Uh, I want to get oh, that cool. out there as well. But this was a, a pleasure. You know, I, I hope when next time you come back in town what, with whatever project you're working on, uh, you can come in studio because this was just a, a real pleasure. And I would just love to the, the shake the, the hand of a guitar god. Uh, so just... uh, yeah, guitar god. Huh? Uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate all your kind words and, uh, and your support. Always, Richard. Uh, I, I love uh, having you in Guns N' Roses and I love all the other work that you're doing. And uh, you seem like a great guy, you know, uh, all, all the work, everything I've been told about you, because we do have a common friend in uh, Christine Jordan. I, w- I used to uh-huh. work, work with her at United Stations Radio Networks, and she says what an awesome oh, yeah, yeah, guy yeah, you yeah. are. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, small world, small world. So uh, I'll, I'll let you go. But uh, thanks, Rich, right. uh, Richard, and I hope we can do thanks this again. All right. For sure. Take care. Okay. Bye. All right. So Richard Fortas. Um, obviously, I could... I've spoken to him for another hour, two hours. Uh, I, I know what you're thinking. There could be a lot of stuff that we we could have spoken about or uh, to touch on, things that, you know, obviously Guns N' Roses related, Chinese democracy related, but it, this was a, a focus on a particular band, and I think based upon what he said about headlines, like it is what it is. You know, yeah, I'm friends with Alternative Nation and Ultimate Guitar, but, you know, sometimes they have to do what they have to do. I look at it as as long as they're not lying about anything, I'm okay with it because it's just the the beast that they're in. 
because it's not like you have X amount of newspapers and magazines anymore. It's everything. You've got to compete against everything. You know, even Facebook. People get their news from Facebook. They don't go on actual websites. So you got to be careful. So I, I wanted to be respectful of that, you know, just have a nice, fun conversation with Richard. And I, I think the, that we did that. You know, uh, this was just really a, a wonderful opportunity for me and an opportunity I would not have had uh, without all of you, without all of your support. So thank you. You know, again, whether you you found us on uh, AlternativeNation.net, on uh, the iHeartRadio app, on Spreaker, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, YouTube, Google Play, iTunes, uh, of course, Facebook.com slash The AFD Show, or on Twitter at The AFD Show. Um, and you can even follow me. This is how I, I, I managed to make this Richard Fortas thing happen was through Instagram, believe it or not. That's how I had uh, I got Arian Bueller. That's how I got uh, Susan Holmes McKagan, which will be coming up through through Instagram. And obviously, this is, they have thousands upon thousands of followers, but it, and it's what my therapist told me. She's like, make sure whoever you interview, if they're in studio, take a picture with them. Not to make myself seem cool, but it just looks good, like a resume. So that's probably what happened. People that do their due diligence, it wasn't just like, oh, this random podcast, let's do an interview. Now, I'm sure Richard gets inter- asked for interviews all the time, but with the... The caliber uh, of, I think, you, the listeners, leaving the comments that you do on my social media, uh, the guests that we've had in the past helping build the AFD resume, some of you you have absolutely helped out with. And, you know, obviously my private, uh, it's not private, but my separate Instagram account, Belbiv Brando. Yes, like the uh, R&B group Belbiv DeVoe. So it's B-E-L-B-I-V Brando. Uh, that's also my Twitter, if you want to follow it, doesn't matter. Uh, but yeah, like Twitter, that's, I think Scotto just, t- uh, tweeted Charlie Benanti. That's how we got it. Or you have to do, and that's what I was talking to, uh, Jeff about mid show, um, trading emails with the manager of, uh, Michael Sweet from, uh, uh, from Striper. Sometimes you got to do it that way or phone calls. It's a lot of different, uh, ways to make this show happen. But the fact that it happens continues, continuously blows me away. And now I don't feel like. I'm a Guns N' Roses podcast that never had a GNR member on, <laughs> or at least a current one. So a little bit more legitimate, I think, after episode 104. I know we've been legitimate long before that. And again, that's all thanks to thanks to you. So yeah, in, in the future, um, hopefully Michael Sweet. We'll see what happens. Um, I, I mentioned earlier with, uh, with Jeff, uh, we're going to get on uh, Asher who used to be uh, Asher Ben Ruby, who used to be uh, an MTV VJ. Smash. Smash right here in the middle of the head, banging ball. Uh-huh. And with us, one of the groups. They say the Stones to the 60s were the kings of their genre. They say Aerosmith in the 70s was the same thing. They say in the late 80s going into the 90s. Oh, pardon me. It is these boys right here, Guns and Roses. I mean, what an iconic interview. That, that like if you haven't seen it, it's up on uh, just Google. Honestly, you know Guns N' Roses MTV interview. So he's going to tell us all about it, and he's also an old school radio guy. Um, I'm sure he's going to have great, great, great stories. Uh, I also mentioned Alex Grassi and, and Dizzy Reed. Hopefully, will be happening in in the future as well. Uh, who else do I got? I feel, and you know, I mentioned Susan Holmes McKagan, and 
yeah, a lot of things, these things are just, just happen. And it's just, it, it just amazes me almost weekly. So again, uh, thank you for all of you uh, listening. And of course, thanks again to the, the Freak Base, Jeff from GNR Central, and the, uh, the guest of honor, uh, Richard Fortas. Hopefully that leads to bigger and better interviews. We shall see. So uh, you help out with that. Keep doing it. Keep sharing. Keep liking. Keep retweeting. Keep telling other people about this podcast. The more people like and follow and subscribe and listen, the more people we will get and more we will have. Actually, this that reminds me of another guest that hopefully is going to happen. It's going to be uh, Tommy Stinson Part 2. So, yeah, Tommy is going to be doing some shows, I think, in the uh, at Brooklyn Bowl as well. He's going on tour with the Lemonheads. So I reached out to them, uh, and we should be coordinating that because uh, I think the show is not for a few months, but closer to the show, uh, that should be happening. So originally, it was after I, I booked Tommy Stinson for the first time that uh, their managers looked at my Facebook, and at the time, it was like 900 likes. She's like, we already had agreed to the interview, so nothing nothing was going to happen. I just felt like a fool. She's like, you only have 900 likes? Like, well, I mean, we have thousands of listeners. We just don't see it on social media. So people look at that stuff. People look at social media. I mean, obviously, you know, now we're, 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 we're twice that. Uh, but people look. So that's where you all come in. And that's how you help out this show. People always ask, like, how can I help? What can I do? Just by supporting, by sharing, by telling other people about this podcast. We're in a sea of podcasts. And the fact that what we've been able to do through 104 episodes has been really quite remarkable. You know, again, all thanks to, thanks to you. So until the next episode of the AFD show, when will you see it? In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it.